to Pamela, Private Eye. I am here with my co-host, Shelly. Hi, Pamela. Oh, first, before we do anything, I just want to say thank you to all our loyal listeners. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. We just hit 10,000 downloads. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Time is the most precious thing we have in our lives and that you are sharing some of your time with us. We are so grateful. Thank you. We are honored. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love hearing from you guys. We love it. Uh-huh. Thank you for the ratings, reviews. It is. It just makes me happy. It makes all the hard work of editing and everything else <laughs> worth it. And if you're a new listener, welcome, welcome. We hope you enjoy it. Sometimes uh, we get kind of silly and sometimes it's really intense heavy stuff we're right, just all right. over it's kind of it's kind of the roller coaster podcast of true crime <laughs> <laughs> some I've of the had, episodes are funny and some are intense yes i've had several comments on um it's so nice to hear things that are actually happening in utah so oh really that's, that's cool, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah more of a local thing so yeah i love it fun. yeah cool. so what do so, we have today i'm today, excited for today Today we have where there's smoke, there's fire. Ooh. This is an arson case. Oh. I've actually had a few arson cases. They're always really fascinating to me. Uh-huh. And this case, I got a call from Jack. An immigrant from Vietnam was living in Utah. Nice man, worked, married, had a couple kids, and someone started his home on fire. And oh, it, no burnt half of his home and it actually also they started a fire in the garage which also was connected to the neighbor's house so some of the neighbor's house so Mm -hmm. it was it was pretty intense and jack called and said he needed me to go our client was charged with this arson was he the one living in the home the client yeah yes but it was was a woman oh Really? Oh, yeah. Shocking. So, okay. Huh? Very shocking. Now, statistically, are arsonists mostly male over female? Or it <laughs> I would have be interesting a, to know that. It, it would be interesting to know. I, I personally have a few arson cases, and I actually have more women that did it than men. Seriously? And I don't know if that's consistent or not. But yeah, when you was, get to the movies, it's usually the man, you know. So I know, it's totally interesting. Is. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. This, so, yeah, really, really interesting. So Jack says, hey, could you go to the jail and talk to her and find out what the deal is? And I get to jail. This is the daughter of the man whose home was on fire. She oh, okay. started her okay. dad's house on fire. Oh, she was 32 there. years oh, old. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Really, really attractive. She spoke very good English. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I, in our society, I truly believe, especially especially in the criminal defense world, I see this a lot. My opinion is that we are really quick in our culture to give someone a label. Uh-huh. And especially if that is in, like, psychology, and I graduated, my bachelor's right. was in psychology, and I see this a lot where people go to counseling and they're... And it, it, they'll very quickly say you're bipolar, you're you're depressed, you're blah blah, like you're clinically okay. right. You you got this, you got. And they quickly give someone a label, and most of the time, I think, whoa, like slow down, don't 
don't put that label on this person or me so fast, whatever. Right, like, right. Because I we think we do can... One size fits all, lots of time. We really do. And I think for all of us, there are times when we are depressed. There, yes. are, t- there are times we're down. There are times we are up. There are times, like, so to label someone, I think we're really quick to, like, faster to label someone than we should be. And I think this that case, and a prescription. Like, oh, oh I absolutely. Know. No, no, no. Yes. I, I really, I, I didn't need back surgery. My big toe was infected. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. Well, like they say, to the man with the hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. Oh, and true. True. I don't, I don't know if you've ever done that, but I actually find that true. I will walk around. If I ever have a hammer, uh-huh. like especially like if I'm up at our family cabin or something, uh-huh. and I think, oh, that needs hammering, and I'll just start looking for stuff that needs hammering. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's funny. Don't give you a paintbrush, because then you'll yeah. just be painting little dabs of pink or something all over. Like, yeah. I. I did that. I did that this summer. A lot of painting. Yes, uh-huh. same deal. Same yeah. deal. Hey, I've got a paintbrush. Let's use this. Yeah, thing. yeah. So, so I kind of wonder if if you. I mean, because if you go, like Tony Robbins always says, it it's the quality of questions that we ask that determine. True. Mm-hmm. So if we ask a poor quality question like, "Why am I so miserable?" Uh-huh. Our brains are just going to answer whatever that question is. Yeah. True. So, so if we go to a doctor and we say. I'm miserable. What's wrong with me? As a doctor, like that's their hammer, right? They're right. going to want to uh-huh. find. They're, they're going to want to hit that nail. They're going to want to find something wrong. So most of the time, I think we're too quick to do that. Then and and if we ask a better quality question, like, what? Can, how can I live a better life? How right. can I be be happier? Like, I think mm-hmm. they're just. But but we all do it. We all oh, we do. do. Yeah. In this case. This woman, I have never had a client that I thought was more really, truly, psychologically impaired. Oh, serious? There were times, yeah. Like mentally were, ill. Mentally ill. And she was just like, you know, Asian women are just these tiny, cute, little, petite things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she that she totally fit with that. So cute. And just tiny and very soft spoken. You and uh-huh. I are a little, are a little bit on the loud side. What? I know. What, what are you saying? What are you saying? I, yeah, I, I take just that back. I can no, stop I don't. Traffic. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Uh, we could be a little on the aggressive. My house. Yeah. We can be a little on the aggressive side. What? Yeah. And you're, you're, I don't know who this, you're talking about. Right. And this woman seemed so timid to me mm-hmm. she was small in stature she was small in her voice small mm-hmm. in her personality everything about her seemed so small like tiny. and i was trying to figure out like did she really do this did she yeah. really start this fire like what? interesting huh and so i would go and talk to her and find out what was happening like what how did you get to this place and she started telling me that she hears voices. Oh. And so I have, I've, I've had several students in my educational history that mm-hmm. hear voices. That mm-hmm. is, that's very scary for them. It, and for it us. really is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And her dad and her stepmother would go work in the day and she mm-hmm. would be home 
alone. And she, honestly, to look at her, she appeared no, like... right, right. So sweet and so normal. Mm-hmm. And when the voices, like, to talk to her, when she didn't have voices going on in there, mm-hmm. I, like, she was as nice as can be. Right. And as stable, like, peaceful. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, of course, she was distressed in jail. Can you imagine putting someone like uh, that in jail no, with no. a bunch of really kind of hardened drug addict women well and then and then culturally culturally that asian culture is oh they're so nice well not only that they're so aware of of family and reputation and shame so imagine her feeling like that and then she's in jail and the shame yeah that would yeah so just the whole culture of that is just that would be Oh, my. Right. Wow. And yeah. so she didn't work because of this mental voices. issue that she had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the voices. And what I learned was, oh, man, like the story she told. She was at home, and it was in the wintertime. So, you know, it gets darker in the winter, which I right. hate. the mm-hmm. Long, right. long nights. And she was home alone, and it was getting dark, and she had a couple lights on but she had some candles lit and she was just kind of like meditating like trying, trying to, to find keep... some, she, mm-hmm. peaceful and her dad didn't come home and her stepmother didn't come home and her brother had moved he'd gone away to school and she was getting in a bad way and it wasn't very long <laughs> before these voices mm-hmm. These voices started coming mm-hmm. in, and they were telling her that they were coming to get her. And they weren't only going to come and get her. They were going to come and get her dad and her stepmom, and they were going to kill them all. Yeah. And that she needed to get out of there and hide every everything so that they... And the only way what she decided the best way to do that was to start the house on fire. Oh, to so, oh, oh. So she, yeah. Okay. So so she took these. Candles. Wait, I have I have a I have a quick question. Has she had any history of arson or burning anything or besides a no. candle? Any okay? No. So no. this just came out of the blue. This one. Okay. No, no criminal anything. No. But I mean, even when you talk to no. the dad or the mom, there wasn't like. Gosh, she always liked to go out and burn the garbage, or we've had to watch and not let her use matches in the house, or there was nothing like that He's, that you know I, of. Talking with the dad, he, he was a little concerned because she was a little fascinated. She was always burning candles, okay, and it made him nervous, but he didn't have any reason to say, right, okay. don't do it. Right. It just it made him uncomfortable. I think right. I think he may have had a premonition about it, or just right. had the thought like, "Man, what if those Ooh. voices kick in?" And yeah, yeah. The, but who would think that you'd use a candle for a weapon? Ultimately, I mean, because that really what, that's is that what she ended up doing? That well, that's how she thought of it. Like that, she had to protect them. So as like her protection as her weapon against these horrible dark forces and right. they were coming to get her they were coming right. to get her not just her but they like the, her in family. her mind that she was protecting her family so she started some papers on fire near where she was sitting and then they had like she had some oil like that and she poured the oil around and so it would start oh. further and then she went in the garage and actually started the fire there 
And then she got in her dad's car that he allowed her to drive and took off. Like, oh, so to the police, it looked like someone had, and the fire department and all the sure. fire investigators, arson investigation. It looked like someone had started this fire and their initial thought they were concerned that she was in the fire and oh, a victim dear. of the fire. Right, right. Thankfully, she wasn't pretty extensive damage. And here she is facing criminal charges for arson, which is a felony. Yeah. Okay. So what is that punishable like? So she was looking at a minimum of five years in prison. Also, I Googled, because <laughs> we love Google, um, yes. just something random. And it just said that, generally speaking, it just said women make up a small percentage of arsonists. And it oh. just said, it's usually like a five to one to a 10 to one ratio. That no, over women. I've just been very lucky. You have. That I have more women. And yeah. I'll, I'll share some of the other arson cases. They're they're really funny later. Yeah. But, uh, but I thought that was yeah, interesting. That, also, that they is said interesting. That they said that, now these are just articles on Google, so take them for right. what they're worth. It's not, yeah. you know. Um, the other thing was that women that do arson are usually more likely that they're it's a cry for help. What? No way. I'm not course. sure what they're yeah. crying No, no, for, I totally, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally but anyway, agree. I thought that was interesting, so, yeah. Yeah. Those are just yeah. two little tidbits off of Google. Okay, yeah, what no, did you so, talk about? So, yeah. that, is, that is really fascinating, because it doesn't surprise me at all right. that men are more often arsonists, but it's really, really peculiar that, for me, I actually have three arson cases I've done over 30 years, mm-hmm. and two of the three were women. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, I, and I'm going to get sidetracked here for a minute, again, when you watch TV shows or whatever. But usually an arsonist is fascinated. It's like the fire is an animal or a, mm-hmm. you know, it takes on a spirit and they're watching it grow. Yeah, and they want to watch so it. it. Becomes, right. So it's interesting, if it is true off of Google, that mm-hmm. women, it's a cry for help. I'm not sure how that would be a cry for help when most arsonists are fascinated with the actual burn pattern and the burn right. of it. So. It fits and it makes sense for me with with this client. Her name was Wynn. Uh-huh. Like, when are we coming to this? Uh-huh. You know. Uh-huh. And for her, she didn't stick around to watch it. It was not something. It was a protection. It was like it was I like say, a fight like or a flight weapon. thing. Yeah. yeah, interesting. I mean, anyone in their rational mind would not right. think I'm going to start my dad's house on fire so that he will be safe. Right. From these bad guys that I've never seen. But they were so real because she could hear those voices in her head. Right. So she takes the car, leaves, gets pulled over, not arrested initially. It took a little bit. Once they realized she was not in the house, then she's immediately their suspect because she's gone. The car's gone. And, And she told the most elaborate story. She told initially her story to the police was that these guys had kidnapped her. And there were times, like, I would interview her at the jail. And first, I was seriously, like, no one told me that she had mental illness. Right. So my first time talking to her, the first interview, she's like, yeah, I I took off in the car. And then these guys that were chasing me, they pulled me over. And I was like, are you serious? And I'm thinking, how come I didn't read this in the paper? Why didn't I read this? Yeah. And, And I don't remember this in the discovery. Like, what? What yeah. is going? And I was, it right. was so hard for me to figure out. Wait, where? It, it was almost like for her. It was 
because you know our minds are such so real life it's so real exactly Mm -hmm. that's just it was so real that i think she had a hard time i don't think she could distinguish what part was real and what wasn't sure and and so i was saying like wait some guys were kidnapping you and her they in her mind they were going to kidnap her and take her to the airport and they kidnapped her and because she fled from the house started the house on fire and fled then the guys chased her instead of her dad family gotcha and so then they picked her up and they were going to take her to the airport and take her somewhere and i'm like why would someone want to take you right like yeah she seemed so nice and so innocent like who who wants to harm you right what, what did you like i don't yeah where's this you offended yeah, where's this like, story going right and it, it didn't take long before i was like man this is i'm in wacko land like right like a little this never record. happened right and i uh-huh. did and i didn't know if the right thing to do is to say uh no that's bullcrap that never happened yeah, yeah right or do i go along with it and say okay so how did you get away and so i did i went along with it uh-huh. and i was like okay so how did and she said she broke away from them and finally got away and ran off and then Thankfully, the police rescued her, and they but they arrested her for this fire. So, for her charge, she was facing a first degree felony of Which aggravated is, arson. Okay, so what what does that look like? That years a minimum up to five years, one to oh, five. Okay. okay, so a minimum of one to five years. My question is: Was she on any kind of medication that maybe she got off of, or she was wasn't that- at the time? Okay, she was mm-hmm. not on medication. So. As time went on, I don't know how her dad thought. I guess she did just acted normal. Sure. Um, well, nothing so that extreme most has of the happened. Time. Yeah, certainly yeah. not like that. And so he thought she was okay. Sure. And Again, another cultural thing also. Yes. That might be a yeah. cultural step. That it could be. It could be. Look how far, look how long it's taken the United States to, to, we've known about mental illness, but now it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, it's plastered everywhere. We have programs in the schools to help with it. We have them in, in our religion. Right. We have them everywhere. Like, let us help you. So look how long yeah. it's taken the United States to get there. And we're usually, uh, you know, groundbreaking. We're usually, right, uh-huh. right. So yeah, the world it, is it might very, be a culture thing again. So it, it may be. Yeah. And yeah, so, so she was looking at a minimum of five years in prison. And all I could think is, oh, my gosh, we cannot put this woman in prison. No, it's like a puppy. She will be abused. Like, this will be horrible. She cannot protect herself. Yeah. But she needs help. Like, so I came back and told Jack, we we have got to get her in. And at the time, they were just, they hadn't even started mental health court. Now they do have a mental health court. That is a fairly new thing in Salt Lake City. I don't know. I imagine every state has it. But they didn't have it yet. And... Thankfully, she had Jack. Her dad was sweet enough, in spite of his house burning, right. that he went and hired Jack and was paying for a great defense so that Good. she had her best opportunity. He didn't want her to go to prison. Sure. And Was it at a time that you could encourage or insist or, I don't know, work with prosecution or somebody about for a psych eval? I mean, yes. Yeah. How does yes. this? Yeah. Okay. That was absolutely... That's exactly what we did. So we okay. ordered the the psychological evaluation, and there were a number of issues. Schizophrenia was oh, one of them, of course, with the 
All the, with voice- the voices yeah. and not seeing reality correctly. And even like really, she. There were times I'd go I'd go see her in jail, and she'd be so nice and so peaceful. And I'd say, "Are you hearing voices now?" Like it was fascinating to me because I wanted it really would be like yeah yeah like uh, are they here? Are they with you all the time, or do they quiet down? And mm-hmm. for her, they would quiet down. Mm-hmm. And and even with sometimes when she'd hear voices, they weren't always like angry, bad sure. people. Uh huh. So it it just was mind blowing to me. I had never. I bet. And so as time went on, I I worked with Jack. We got her to the psychological evaluation, and then we were trying to figure out like, hey, and so and she was terrified. Like, am I going to go to prison? Oh uh, yeah. Oh, I know. You could, girl. I mean, that really yeah. could have. Ha- yeah. And her her dad, when I would talk with her dad, he was so frustrated. He didn't. He was just beside himself. It's like right. I have to work. I you know I worked so hard to get to America, to have a good life here. I have a good job, sure. and I like my life is so good here. And I, you know, initially I was thinking like someone maybe started his house on fire because he was an immigrant, and it was like some like kind a hate of crime or something. hate crime yeah. or something. Yeah, I was yeah. relieved that it wasn't a hate crime, but then. Then it's like, oh no, like, what do we do? Get the enemy out of jail and then does she go back to your house and like, right, it's, it's right. a scary thing. And so we were talking, it, it, she was going to go to the mental hospital and that was the right thing to do. Yes. That's, that was the direction we're headed. And the most fascinating thing happened about how this worked out. Talking with the dad, he said, hey, you know, being from Vietnam, it's very, very cheap to live in that country. And if we could work this out with the judge, he said, I don't know. He's, he was like, he was not very hopeful that they could change her mental issues. But right. only, but only basically just almost not incarcerate her, but keep her captive so that she would not harm herself harm, or, anyone, or else. anyone else. Okay. And that and was so, his fear or was that what he was hoping for? And that was for sure. She was going to be in the mental hospital for at least an extended period of time. Sure. And he said, you know, she grew up in Vietnam. I have family there still. It is so cheap to live there. I have a home still in Vietnam. My family has a home. Mm-hmm. And she can live with her grandmother. And uh-huh. I was like, wait, I don't know that that's a good idea. Like, Right, I, serious. I don't want to be selling this to the judge because I how, how can we... I don't want to personally be feeling so now she's and i'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound really funny but so instead of burning a house she's gonna burn a house and a whole jungle down like where where is the support going to be yeah right and that's exactly where i went and and then he explained hey it is so amazing in like it's so cheap in vietnam i can hire 24 hour day care to come in and, and be with her in a home okay. where she's familiar with the home, with her grandmother that she's right. familiar with, gotcha. for $120 a month. Holy Hannah. Okay. Yeah. So his and point is I can get her full support there rather than trying to pay for the medical care here. Okay, yes. that makes sense. All right. Yep. Yep. So, you know, that sounded actually really cool to me that mm-hmm. her she'd be with her grandma. Right. Would, and she'd have 24-hour care, and the dad would have control over that, whether, right. like, if it was someone that they that 
wasn't appropriate or was like they could right mm-hmm. that I don't know how that'd be more perfect but we had to get permission for her to leave the country sure and Jack was amazing we so, explained okay, this to so the, I was gonna I'm gonna ask this question lots okay. of times deals are made between the defense attorney and the prosecuting attorney Mm-hmm. Is this something that that goes there, or do you have to present it to the prosecu- prosecuting attorney and then to the judge, or do you present it to the judge and then it all works? How does that look? What you, does that look you, like? Oh, you start with the prosecutor. Okay. So the prosecutor had to agree to this, and then if the prosecutor agrees, if you can get an agreement with the two, the defense and prosecution, okay. then you go before the judge and you explain the deal. So okay. the deal was that she would that that we presented both state awesome. and defense mm-hmm. okay. that we presented that she we would reduce it from a felony to a misdemeanor which would allow her to be on probation part of that the father was going to take her back to vietnam and she was not going to be allowed to return to the us okay again right and the judge wanted to have it in place that she was going to get that care Okay. Like 24-hour daycare and live with family. Mm-hmm. Although they really would not be under any obligation once they got her out of the country. Sure. Right. But, but the dad, the dad but it wanted to do that. it looks good on paper. That. Right. It mm-hmm. looked great on paper. And I think it really was a great result for her. She mm-hmm. needed someone there mm-hmm. more. And, right. And affordable. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was affordable. And it, it was just kind of a crazy case. Yeah. But... but I I thought the outcome was as good as it could be. And so did the judge okay it? How did that end? The judge okayed it. Yep. We got her out of jail. The father took her back to Vietnam. She lived with her grandma. And that was the last I heard. The dad came back and was working. And yeah. Interesting. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff. So. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I was right. So. I, so it had I, quite a, it had, this one had quite a, a twist of a mental illness and voices mm-hmm. into an arson situation. Yeah. So, yeah. wow. Yeah. Wow. Pretty crazy stuff. So yeah. that is where there's smoke, there's fire. <laughs> Thank okay. you for listening to Pamela Private Eye.